ready to go. Just as about to come up here, I was looking for my phone. It's like, where's my phone? My, I had like these notes for uh, for something on there. My phone's gone. I think I left it at my house. <laughs> so we're gonna speak about grace today. <laughs> God, give me grace. <laughs> uh, you know what? Why don't we take a moment? We just had an awesome morning this morning, but why don't you stand up for just a second? Give yourself a little bit of shake if you're tired or whatever. We're going to put, get ourselves in a position to receive this morning. Uh, you can pray with me. Uh, you know what? I, I believe God's got something to share with us this morning. I, got, I believe God's got something for you. He's got something for me. Uh, so as I pray, please feel free to pray along. Uh, we just want to, want to ask God this morning. That I know he's prepared us throughout this week. We've all gone through things. We're here this morning, and I believe that we're ready. But let's maybe ask God to, to help us receive now what he's got prepared for us. Father, thank you so much for bringing us together today. Lord, you are so good and so kind. And Lord, what you have for us, we want to receive. Lord, God, I believe you've prepared us to receive, and I just ask your grace upon it, Lord, to take hold of it by faith, to honor you with it, that this morning, Lord God, uh, for many, would be a turning point, even a fresh revelation, Lord God, of you and of your love and of your grace and of your power and who we are in you. Lord God, there is no one like you. And I thank you so much that you've invited us to be with you. Bless this time together. Bless this message, Lord God. Help us to receive what you have us have to give to us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. So we've been in the series of grace lately. Uh, pastors have been leading us through the subject of grace. Uh, I'm not sure if everybody's heard the messages, but uh, hands up if you've been hearing, hearing some of this. Awesome. So most, most have heard. If you haven't heard, you can listen through the Facebook uh, or Sound, SoundCloud. I was going to say through the SoundCloud. Through the Facebook. Anyway, muttering. Don't mutter, Sean. Um, what I want to bring to you to your attention, first of all, is the subject of grace. I'm going to introduce Martin Luther to you. How many know the story of Martin Luther? Anybody heard anything about him before? Conveniently, all my notes about him were on my phone. <laughs> That's okay. Because you know about Martin Luther? Martin Luther, he's known as one of the reformers. Okay, his impact on the church is huge. Huge. But interestingly about it, he didn't necessarily intend for that to happen originally. Right? He was somebody, uh, a very smart individual, uh, and he was, he was content to live his life. One time there was a lightning storm, panicked him, and in the midst of this lightning storm, he called, uh, like, Saint Anne, uh, save me, God, God save me, and he, he felt delivered, but out of that vow, he promised, okay, you know what? If you save me, I'm going to become a monk. I'll dedicate my life to serving you, God. So he felt God saved him, and he kept his vow. He went and became a monk. And was determined to live a life that was pleasing to God. And he became quite educated. He, he became well-versed in the Bible, was sent to seminary and told to teach, and, and, uh, and he started going through Romans and, and uh, Galatians. And he got to Romans, and there's a, it was 117. It was a part in there that just... It's, he struggled with. Because it talked about the just living by faith and the righteousness of God. And it was the phrase, the righteousness of God, it 
he couldn't get past that. It was, it was hard for him to get past that. Because to him, the righteousness of God, he had lived a life, kind of parallel to Paul, where, where Paul talks about being a Pharisee, an exemplary Pharisee, where you know, he, he's done everything right. Martin Luther said the same thing as a monk. If I could be saved by the works I did as a monk, I'd be saved. Because I was doing it all right. I was passionate. I was dedicated. I was doing the deeds. I was, I was doing what I needed to do. And yet he comes to this phrase, understanding what the gospel says, and he can't get past it. When he reads righteousness of God, he feels deeply convicted, unworthy, and ashamed. That he can't get past it. And he comes to the point where he says, you know what, I, I'm not good enough. To the point where I say I love God, but I actually kind of hate God because I'm angry at him. That the best I can do is not good enough. And I'm doing the best I can, and it's just not enough. And I know it, and I see it, and I feel it, and there's, I can't do anything about it. And here's the guy who's well-versed in the scriptures, well-versed in the gospel. He knows this. He, could, he preaches it. He writes the sermons. He teaches the classes. And he feels this heavy conviction. It's just not enough. Until one day God gets him. And he starts to understand. He says, I was meditating, meditating, meditating. And it finally, he starts to understand, wait a second. But the just shall live by faith. That's by faith in God alone, the gift of righteousness alone. God's free gift that saved me. It wasn't what I did. Now, he knows this, but he, he gets us in a whole new way. Whole new way. And it completely changes his life. Completely changes his life. Because it completely changes him. He is so impacted by us. He starts with Romans, but ends up going to Galatians. That's a book we're going to focus on today. Galatians. Galatians becomes the part where he, he spends most of his time in his research and his preparation. It becomes core to what he believes. He ends up saying uh, later on that the epistle to the Galatians is my epistle, it, to which I'm betrothed. It is my Katie Von Bora, which was the name of his wife. He was so married, so connected to this, this book. Because in it, he saw the grace of God, which had so radically changed him that he couldn't help but start to live out. He saw something in the church that was happening. He wrote the 95 Thesis, put on the door Wittenberg. He wasn't actually looking to start a reformation. He was just trying to, to, to correct something he saw just wasn't good. He had to say something. He, he couldn't not speak up. But because of the grace of God changes man's life so completely, so completely, that it created in him a passion that he could not hold back. I think it's what, 500 years later, approximately? The world has changed in a lot of ways. Now, he wasn't a perfect man, but the grace of God so changed him and to be honest, because of that, because he allowed that, I, we're actually a lot better for it as a church. And he's not the only one this has happened to. Paul is very similar. 
But what we're going to do today is we're going to go a little bit. We've been speaking on the topic of grace, and we're going to look in Galatians today. So the verse Pastor David asked me to preach out of, I'm going to open this to you. Galatians 2, 17 to 21. Now, I heard we have no scriptures on the screen, unfortunately. Thankfully, I printed them out. <laughs> so we're going to be in the, the NIV version, okay? That's where we're going to focus. I'm going to stick with the NIV. If you've got it, great. If not, work with me, but that's, we're going to stick with the NIV today. So 2.17 and 21. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. If I would title this sermon, I would say, Grace Speaks Simply. Now, maybe you'll come up with a different title. You can let me know what that is. But that's what I went with. When I read this passage, it doesn't sound so simple at first. I'm hearing a lot of words. I'm, I'm trying to understand the thought here. So I had to back up a bit. I had to understand what's happening here. Because I'm thinking, if someone like Martin Luther, who's well-versed in the scriptures, not like he's a, you know, uh, he's not someone unknown to the church, someone out on the streets who's got something, some grudge against the church. He's in the church. He's in the ministry. He's teaching others to prepare them for ministry. If someone like that can be so impacted by the grace of God that it completely changes him, maybe some of us are in that same boat. Right? I'm willing to be impacted like that. I'm willing to be changed like that, to understand God's grace in such a way that it captivates me, that it changes who I am. Because God has done something so incredible so incredible. And I think we learn about it, we understand it, but sometimes we just don't get it. Because it's not an intelligence thing. It's not a studying thing. It's not even an experiential thing. It's something God does, which he reveals to the person. He gives it to you, and we have to receive it. So what was happening in Galatians that Paul starts talking about this? IVP commentary said this. He said, the phrase observing the law, and I'm not speaking to the particular verse here. This is in general. But the phrase observing the law refers to circumcision and the Jewish purity laws. The Jewish people were identified by their observance of these laws. So what Paul is denying in this context is that the identification with the Jewish people through observance of these distinctly Jewish practices is not the basis of membership in the covenant people of God. Paul's appealing to the common affirmation of Jewish Christians themselves that believing in Christ Jesus, not following Jewish customs, is the basis of being justified. So Paul is writing to the church here where there's Christians, mixed Christians, Jewish and Gentile Christians. And because of, of um, there's a few different reasons, but some of the Christians who believe in Christ are now thinking they've got to start form, or following some of the Jewish customs to show that they identify, 
as Christians, that they're part of the Christian community, that, that they're included in the church of God. So they started appealing to circumcision and purity laws. And Paul hears about this, and the passion for grace actually says, no, wait, hold up. I got to say something about this. I've got to, I've got to say, it's interesting, in a book of grace, you'll actually find Paul, though he's writing a lot about grace, he gets some pretty strong rebukes. He says and then repeats, if anyone else comes and preaches another gospel, then be condemned. Again, let me repeat, if anyone else is preaching another gospel other than the one you receive, then be eternally condemned. This comes in the book talking about grace. Okay? He is so passionate about this because he, just like Luther, his life was completely changed. He was educated. He understood. And yet God steps into his life, changes everything. From a works thing to a grace thing, which we say we get. I get, I get, I get. I don't get. Because I keep falling back to it. But so changed, so radically changed again in Paul, in Luther, in others, maybe somebody here. We're the better for it. I'm going to say three things. I, I gave you these notes. They're really simple notes. We're going to keep this simple. But I'm going to say three simple things. You can write it down the first time. I'm going to repeat it. Okay. If you've got a pen, if you like to take notes, otherwise just listen. Three simple things. And just before I do, I'm going to read Galatians 2.16. 1516 is just before I, I said, because I started with 217, but this is 1516. We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. In, in the King James Version, it actually beautifully says the faith of Christ. That we are justified by the faith of Christ. That is a spectacular statement if you think about it. And I'm, I'll be honest, my mind is not fully wrapped around that yet. Uh, just being frank with you. That is a powerful statement. The faith of Christ. I, I, I get, or I'm, I'm beginning to get at least, the idea of faith in Christ, but the faith of Christ. Christ's own faith that we're called into. This is some powerful stuff here, guys. So I'm going to give you three phrases here. Jesus Christ died dead on a cross. Second one. On the third day, God the Father resurrected him. Third one. This atones for all my sins and made me righteous. Now, those are very three simple things. Very shrunk down, scaled down. There's a whole lot you can unpack, whole lots of questions, theology, teaching, lots of stuff to expand, and, and, but shrunk down, very basic, those three things. And I'm going to say it again. I'm gonna, this might look weird to you or sound weird to you. I want you to hear it, but close your eyes. I want you to see it. I want you to feel it. I want you as... Holy Spirit, make this real to us. Because this is something that is everything. Jesus Christ died dead on a cross. On the third day, God the Father resurrected him. 
This atones for all my sins and made me righteous. Do you understand what it means to be righteous in God's eyes? What that does for you? That is not simply forgiveness. That is not simply good standing. There is no barrier now between you and God. There is nothing to remove you from God. There's nothing to hinder your prayers and requests before God. There's nothing to hinder the promises of God extended to you. You are declared righteous. You are in right standing with God. All your sins are wiped away and forgiven. You are free. You are free. Now, we hear this. I've heard this. I'm 43 years old. I've done the Bible school thing. I've done the church thing. I get this. I hear this. I teach this. And yet, I don't always get it. I'm telling you, I don't always get it. I'm, I'm reading through this, studying last thing. It starts to hit me again. I'm righteous. I'm forgiven. Let's go. Okay. See, because of Christ, we share in the blessing God gave to Abraham. Let's go through Galatians a little bit. Galatians 3.14. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ. That's us, by the way. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. By faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Galatians 4, 6. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. I'm just going to go back. Because you are sons. You are sons. You are sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. You are literally a child of God because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. You know what that means? One of the things it means? You can live righteously. It's actually who you are. Because it's who he is. He is now in you. You can start today. You can live righteously starting today. See, that's who you are. It's who he is. We can move forward with repentance, reconciliation, redemption. We can move in the grace and life of Christ. I've heard it said before that we're all God's children. I know I'm going to rattle some cages here, but that's not true. See, we're all God's creation. But his children are those who've been born again and made alive to him through Jesus Christ. There's a fundamental difference there. It is Christ Jesus that has set you apart, that has made you alive. You're alive. It's not just that you breathe. Galatians 4, 7 says, So you are no longer a slave, 
but a son. And since you're a son, God has made you an heir. You're no longer a slave. What does this mean? See, before Christ, without Christ, we were prisoners of sin. Locked up, no escape, you're guilty. Galatians 3.23 says, Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law. Locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified through faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. So when we live according to the flesh, and maybe nobody does that here. Nobody does that. When we live according to the flesh, we live contrary to who we are. Do not accept the lie, this is just the way I am. Don't. Don't accept that. Don't believe it. I can't help it. This is just me. This is what I am. That's not who you are. It's not your identity. Do not accept the works of the flesh, lust, pride, selfishness, etc., as just the way we are. Put these deeds to death. Move in the life of Christ. Repent and walk in righteousness in the grace and mercy of God, our Redeemer and Mediator. Galatians 5.13, You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. That dead thing, that corpse, that zombie, (laughs) the sinful nature, it doesn't want to stay down. It wants your brains. (laughs) It wants to be the head. It wants to be your life, right? It wants to be fed. But it lives contrary to who God is. And we know this. This is not new stuff. We experience this daily. We wrestle with it. It's an ugly, ugly struggle sometimes. But it's not who we are. It's not who you are. That thing that wants to bring you down, that wants to, that's not you. Amen. You're a child of God. Amen. You've been set free. Galatians 5.14, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe I could paraphrase it this way. Eagerly and actively desire the utmost or highest good for the other. Let me repeat that. Eagerly and actively desire the utmost good for the other. Whoever the other is, the person beside you, the coworker, whoever. Galatians 5:16. So I say, live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Life in the flesh is in opposition to that. Its focus is self. Living life by the Spirit is not simply incorporating more religious practices into your life. 
These are not bad or wasteful in themselves, but they, okay, they actually follow life. They don't lead the life. They, they don't initiate it. They don't begin it. They don't cause it. They follow the life. Galatians 5.17, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. And Paul says this in, in other, I'm, I'm thinking Corinthians, but I could be wrong, Pastor Nelson. Romans, thank you. It's a struggle. It's a fight. Again, it's not who you are. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under law. There is grace available to you. You are accepted in the beloved. You are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. That thing that you do, that's not you. That's not you. Why? Because you are under grace. Grace doesn't say the wrongdoings don't matter. Grace condemns the sin done in the flesh and equally says, that's not you. You are not your sinful nature. Your nature messed up. You can do something about it. And you can move on. Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. The sinful nature that's not a part of me, I wrestle with it at times, but it's not me anymore. Now I'm repeating this. Repetition's not a bad thing sometimes. Right? I was crucified with Christ. It was put to death. I now live through Christ Jesus. The old nature and I share the same space at present. And at times it gets a little confusing. But this old man who is never really alive needs to be left behind. Pastor Daniel talked a while back about that corpse being chained to us, dragging it along. Horribly graphic picture. <laughs> but a great metaphor. It doesn't want to die. It's dead already. It never had real life to begin with. Life came when you were born again. It's not really alive. And it wants to convince you that you ain't either. It uses bad grammar too, apparently. You ain't. Um, Galatians 6, 7, 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. This is back. 5.25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. There are consequences and rewards for our choices in how we invest ourselves. Stone Cold Austin, that's the bottom line. <laughs> Had to pull that out somehow. If we give in to our sinful natures to indulge, we never get life in return. 
In the Psalms, Proverbs, one of the things never satisfied is the grave. You feed the sinful nature, it just wants more. It just gets louder. And it brings destruction to life. That is not you. But we make choices. Those choices, the seeds we sow, or sometimes the seeds other people sow. We throw a little bit of seed in our yard. <laughs> that seed produces something. It's the way it is. Now, there's great things we can sow. There's some ugly things we can sow, too. That is still not who we are. Now, we might have to deal with that. We might have to work through that. We may need to repent of that. We may need to call in some help for that. That is still not who you are. You are righteous. You are accepted in the beloved. All the promises of God, you are yes and what? Amen. Amen. Doing good can be difficult. Because God calls us, we can live righteously. We can do more than just serve ourselves. We can actually go beyond now. And doing good can be difficult. It's taxing, draining, exhausting, even discouraging. You extend your hand in kindness, get slapped. But don't give up. Galatians 6, 9 says, let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. What is the harvest you have a vision for? What is the harvest you are sowing for? What is the harvest you are expecting? Don't give up. Don't believe the lies of the zombie. You are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. You are clean. You are holy. You are righteous. And you have access to the Father and have been given the spirit of Jesus Christ. He lives in you and your life is now in him. The old rules don't apply. You are a new creation. Things look similar it's entirely different. Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See, this is who you are. You are alive unto God, a new creation. The blood of Jesus Christ has changed everything for you. Everything. I don't know if you hear this. Because <laughs> I've heard it, but it hasn't gotten past blocks. At, at, I don't know why. But may the Holy Spirit make this real to us because there is nothing in the way between you and God. You got a request? Come boldly before the throne. Not timidly. Not beggingly. Not, I'm undeserving. I get what we wrestle with. I could turn this into a whole confessional right now and probably drive you out of the church. I'm telling you. I'm not going to do that. 
Not going to do that. <laughs> I get it. That part, not a problem for me to understand. There's very few people, I would say almost nobody in my life I've hated except for one person. Because that person has caused me the most pain, has stolen the most from me, has gotten in my way, has disappointed me and failed me, and that's been me. That's been me. Of anybody on earth, the person I would hate most would be this guy here. Because that was who got in my way. That's the person that stole from me what I deserved. That was the person that tripped up or lied to me. And you know what? God says, that ain't you. I've redeemed you. You are a new creation. Now, I get the old man part. I'm still trying to figure out the new man part. And I've been working at this for a while. And i got a ways to go. Let this sink in. Hear it. Meditate on it. Think about it. God has given you grace. It's not a buzzword. It's a thing. <laughs> and he gives it to you. And it changes everything. You may have sown to the flesh. You can't and should stop doing that now. Okay, that's, that's not who you really are. It's not who you're meant to be. Or maybe that's a fight with a well-fed zombie now. But the fight isn't for God's favor or acceptance anymore. That's not the fight. That's not the fight. You might feel that. The hardest person to probably forgive is yourself, to be honest. But it's not God's acceptance you're fighting for anymore. Jesus Christ did that on the cross. That's done. You were crucified with him. You're fully accepted in the beloved. You are fully loved in the beloved. You belong to him. The fight isn't for salvation. The fight is actually simply to believe that you've been made right with God through Jesus Christ. And now you can live accordingly. You can live accordingly. You can live out accordingly. Forgiveness is yours to have and extend. Freedom is yours to have and to extend. You can set people free. Favor is yours to have and extend. This isn't a place of condemnation. This is a place of freedom. You have the Spirit of God. I don't know if you caught that. My mind is still circling around that. You have the Spirit of God in you. Living in you. No barriers. Nothing in the way. He loves you. He hears your, he hears your prayers. I don't know if God hears it. He hears your prayers. He sees you. He knows you. He sees where you are right now. The thought you just had, yeah, he's on that. He gets it. You are not hidden from him. 
all his promises to you are yes and amen. If we get a hold of this, if we start to really, really begin to grasp the grace of God, this is not some denominational thing. This is not some like, doctrine which will, will, okay, it's part of a set of, no. This is everything. This changes everything. That's not hyperbole. This is, it literally changes everything. Amen? Amen. Lord, how do we end this? <laughs> Father, thank you so much for this. Lord God, your grace I don't get it. But I receive it. I thank you for it. I thank you for your great and passionate love for us that has extended it to us and continues to extend it to us, Lord God. That who we are in you. Lord, I just thank you. We've been made righteous. We've been given new life. We've been given hope and a future. Lord, everything we have comes from you. And it's good. Blessed be your name. Thank you for this day. Seal this to our hearts. Bring this alive in us and us alive to it, Lord God, because you've made us alive. But open our eyes. Change us as you changed Paul. Change us as you changed Martin Luther. Change us, Lord, and impact us in such a way that we can't help but get up and do something about it because we're not content except to respond to you, except to praise you, except to make you known and be where you are and do what you do. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Go and enjoy the sunshine. Amen.